This is Doug. This is Jacob. And welcome to Best Worst Podcast 43. 43. Cheers. I'd like to pretend that we didn't have to just look that up. But, um, <laughs> but here we are. And who's it brought to us by? Um, this, this, uh, this episode, this year's episode, yes. is, is brought to us by the old Putini Hudat, which is a fantastic wee dram. It is um, fantastic, yes. A little, little bit salty, coastal, a little bit smoky. Oh, it's beautiful. And yeah, so what, what have you been up to the last year and a half? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been avoiding microbes, uh, <laughs> hiding in my house. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, been a bit, a bit of that, hasn't it? Yeah. I actually haven't been hiding in my house as much as I maybe should. I've certainly been going very hard at um, a lot of our local cinemas lately between the horror mm. wood and Terrify and all of that. But um and I've been um, also getting some of my verbosity out on another podcast, which I I'm sorry for cheating on you with. <laughs> but, um, but I think well, I think we're also at the point where our viewing patterns just kind of don't over coalesce as yeah. much because um, you know you've got your uh, young ones and they don't necessarily want to watch the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, I'm up late if I'm watching uh, things at home, I, and yeah, yeah, I, I haven't been out to the cinema a lot uh, here and there. Here and there. I mean, I don't mind. I still what have you made it out to? I saw you at Heather's yeah, last night. Yeah, I was at night. Heather's last yeah. night. Um, Good family film. Yeah, I've been, I haven't been to much in the last little bit, actually. I'm not sure that since the last lockdown that I've been to in the cinema right. at all. Um, I, I remember the last, uh, in between lockdowns, I, I, I caught um, Mark What's-His-Jobs-Bait. Which was fantastic. Oh yes, Mark Jenkins. Mark yes, Jenkins. Yeah, uh, Jenkin, excuse Jenkins. me, singular. Yeah, which was um, pretty. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a fan, yeah. a brilliant film. Um, I've seen that a couple times now, yeah. and um, just the use of sixteen mil, yeah, like hand wound and and everything about it is just inspiring. The mix of old st- style and um, contemporary critique. Yeah, and and I think his um, what what rang for me on that one. It, in particular, was the critique of um, of our sense of um, nostalgia um, that everything mm. about that was sort of um, key to sort of build the sense of nostalgia, but um, but he yeah. really kind of undercuts that with the way that he plays um, the storyline and yeah yeah and such a brilliant central performance, but also and then also just some of the editing that he uses, yeah. particularly there's a bar scene yeah in the middle where just. Um, the fury of the cutting is, yeah. you know, Eisensteinian level kind mm-hmm. of intensity. It's um, and on par with the uh, with the young lady at the center of that as well. Oh yes, fantastic. yes, and that and that, and also just like it was really beautiful to because that was one of the first films I went back to see in the cinema after the original lockdown. Mm. And so to um, for that weird little time where there were no films in the yeah. hopper, and so it was like the assistant and bait were like in the top <laughs> ten in New Zealand somehow. And I mean, they were only making like four or five figures, but it was still um, great to see that um, kind of support. The, so you haven't seen Savage by any chance, have you? Then no, it's really good. Um, I I don't. Um, I don't make a point of mentioning New Zealand films here very often um, because unless I have glowing things, I don't want to um, Mm. uh, say that. And I actually avoided it for a long time because I thought it was I thought I was through with um, trauma narratives and I thought I was through with um, gang stories. Um, And it is a trauma narrative, but it's um, it's just really strongly character driven and it really transcends 
cliches and really keys into character in a really strong way. And Sam Kelly's um, sense of filmmaking and the and the direction and production design is very lived in. I think whoever did the poster did the whole thing a bit of this a disservice oh, because yeah. it looks like his tattoos are kind of magic markered on in oh, it, yeah. and it looks very organic in the film and everything about the film, uh, which is. Uh, sort of takes place between the 50s and the 80s. Um, the production design feels very lived in. Um, so that's definitely... Want to look um, for local? Yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Well... Um, but that's not really the no, reason for the season, is it? No, um, we're, um, we're, we're, we're sort of convening a, a Best Worth podcast after a fair length of time um, because of um, the loss of uh, Bill Goldston. Which is... who's. Literally, the reason that we're doing this in the first place, yeah. I, I think, is fair to say, because um, if there is somehow a listener that doesn't know, Bill Gosden was the former director of the New Zealand International Film Festival, and as had, way had back in the last forty years, pretty yeah, much. and and basically um, had built the festival into the cultural monolith and mm. cultural event of the year for so many of us that it has been. Up till yeah, and I think it's fair year. to say, well, at least for me, I, it's fair to say that my cinephilia and my my um, my rich experience of film was in great part to the work of Bill and his teams. And there's and for so many people that grew up here, that's yeah. true. And I'm in a slightly different, different position, place. but I remember even um, when I was thinking of moving to New Zealand and googling, like, well, what the hell is going on with New Zealand and film? And I found the New Zealand film festival's website and i kind of looked at what it played in 2003 i think which was the year before i got there and i'm like well even if the rest of the cinemas are shit at least there's going to be two weeks that i'll get to see some really good stuff and you know obviously 2003 is a very different sort of equation about how available mm. things you know i mean there was no youtube then no. much less uh, no, no, it was streaming hard, services hard to, to yeah find um trailers um yeah we were I mean, 2003, I really had not long been in the DVD land. I think I had my first DVDs kind of um, around 2000. Yeah, it would have been around then. So, like, you know, movies at home even weren't weren't, um, so easy to come by. Was there much uptake of... um VHS as a home collector's medium because obviously you would have had uh, yeah, your video bit. rental. I you guys call it video instead yeah. of VHS. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there definitely was. I mean, but I think back in those days, I was more likely to rent uh, a VHS than I was to buy it. Mm. So I, I, Same, I, I, was, yeah. I was big in the video store, um, uh, video rental. So um, there's a place in Newmarket um, that became Blockbuster Newmarket, but prior okay. to that, it was a place called Movie Land. Or movie World, I can't remember which one, mm. one of those ones. Um, and then it became the blockbuster new market that um, Nigel and Corey worked at. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is that how they know each other? Yeah. Oh, right. Insider <laughs> info. For... Um, and it's where I met Corey as well, through Nigel there. Right. Um, and um, and then Video On, obviously, has been yes. long, long running. Um, which is how well. I know some of my best friends in New Zealand, because yeah. one of my um, colleagues in South Seas worked at Video On and yeah. introduced me to... Um, Another and I, I was a video member, but I, yes. I went to move real long because it was a, a like a fifteen minute walk from my house, whereas video right. was quite a bit further, and I didn't have a car. Yeah. Um, yeah so so back then, I, but when when DVD arrived, um, that's when I really started collecting more. Yeah, yeah, and maybe it was 
don't, I don't think cost was that much different. Maybe it was just the sheer kind of size. And right, <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. don't know. And the extras. Yeah, and ju- yeah, just the sense of it was yeah. something more special. Yeah. And it was something... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had, I had a um, collection of like 30 videotapes. Yeah. But... Um, I have a few more DVDs than that you would have noticed. Um, um, but of course, to get back to the yeah. uh, uh, occasion, the um, by that time you would have been attending the film festival. So, what, do you remember what your first film festival screening was? Oh, I don't actually remember. I I started attending the odd little bit. I'm like I'm sure I went to one or two films with some older friends in the mid '90s when I would have been at university, but I wasn't really aware. Uh, and I had been going to some films at the Capitol with some friends. Um, I saw things like Man Bites Dog, right. um, Baraka, um, mm. uh, um, were those film festival films shown at the Capitol? You mean, or yeah, you yeah. Well, they, they, some of them were ones that had like Baraka, I think. Had, oh right, so they were, it wasn't part of the festival. It wasn't part it was of the festival, they, but, yeah. but I was going there, but I wasn't aware of the festival yeah, at that yeah. point. But I think I did go to one or two films. I started attending oh. properly, like a few here and there, from '98, um, and mm. and from that point on, I just pretty much every year, and then it just grew in terms of number. Like I, I think in '98, I might have done two films, and then or three. And then 99, I did about seven to 10. Hmm. And then it just kept going up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it went up until, yes. as far as my budget allowed. Right. <laughs> and or your writing yeah. allocation yeah, for free and tickets. Time. Yeah, and time. Yeah. And in those early days, I really didn't take a lot of time off work to do, mm. to do festival. Um, I just, I remember in the early 2000s, sitting in the Civic just before a screening yeah. and looking across and seeing... My boss's 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 boss, the head of the, head of the <laughs> university library system, um, Janet Copsey, who was the um, university librarian for twenty years, right. um, down the road, and I and I kind of got a shock, and because it was the middle of a day, right. and even though I was on, I, you know, I had you think you've been called out. <laughs> <laughs> what about her though? <laughs> she, she can do what she likes, right? But she waved and smiled, and 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 from that time on, we would talk every year about. Oh, film, lovely. And then she realised that I was into film, and mm-hmm. and then. So I did some writing, so I should read my reviews. And one thing that um, I we're recording this about um, three days after the public remembrance of yeah. Bill, and it's been about almost two weeks since he passed. Yes, that's right. I think two it was weeks actually tomorrow. two weeks tomorrow. Yeah, early in the morning uh, yeah. from where we are, a few hours later. Um, yeah. And um, I think one of the things that happens when somebody dies and you get these remembrances is that they can kind of crystallize a sense of somebody that you had that you could never mm. quite articulate. And one thing that I realized about Bill is just that he was, um, amongst many other things um, that have been well spoken to over time, the consummate party host mm. and the extent to which he thrived on creating this environment to bring people together. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and it happened to be... Um, Cinema, but um, people spoke it as remembrance as yeah. well of how he would throw parties and, and things house, like yeah. this, and he'd be the guy in the kitchen yeah. cooking. But he would just, you know, um, and and I um, and it's killing me because I have this memory of several of us, and I can't remember if you were one of them, but I know Steve Austin was, and Daniel Rutledge was, yeah. and Steve Chow was. Um, 
every year in Auckland there'd be the launch at the Rialto and there'd be yeah. speeches and you'd go in and choose one of three films and under the seat there would be the bag and in the bag would be the program but you wouldn't be able to look at it until after the film, until after yeah. the film. <laughs> and so you'd get out and most people would just empty out yeah and, and, and then yeah and there'd be a few of us nerds I remember Dan Rutledge coming up the year that um uh, the SEL film Leviathan mm. um, played and because I had been anticipating it for months and I like ran, ran to the bathroom immediately afterwards and he like patted me on the back of the ear and I was like Leviathan's playing um, but this specific time like several of us were gathered on mm. one of those round settees at mm. the uh, Rialto and out of the corner of my eye um, as we were like all going through the books like oh my gosh you see the new Dardenne film you know mm. oh my god you know mm. and um, and Bill was like lining up a photo on his um, uh, mobile and I never I never seen him quite as satisfied as just like seeing like you know the nerds that were probably in some, to some extent his ideal audience I mean yeah. you know obviously part of the nature of the film festival is there there was something for everybody mm. but um you know, he was certainly more of a defender of the deep cut cinephile. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and it was just this lovely moment. And that picture exists somewhere. It was, tw- it was tweeted or Facebooked or Instagrammed oh. on some social account. And I haven't been able to find it. And no, I, I, be able to track it down. I, I looked and yeah, if anyone's listening to this and that rings a bell, track it down for me. Cause do you know what um, year it was? I was trying to work that out because I can't work out the first year that I actually went to the launch. I think it might have been 2012 or 2013. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and, and it, it hasn't been at the Rialto all that time. Okay. It has been for a number of years now, but... Yeah, uh, it's only been since it's been at the Rialto. Yeah. Um, I, th- I, rec- I think it's probably going to be at the Rialto, what, six years maybe? Uh, no, it's been at least since 2013. Oh, really? I think so, okay. or 20, maybe 2014. I don't know. Anyway, um, deep cut trivia. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, we're kind of probably jumping around a bit. But I think that's the thing is that. Um, yeah, that's one thing I noticed from the memorial service, which was lovely. Yeah. Um, was people talking about um, the joy that Bill took in seeing people enjoy the films and that he would pop into yeah. the back of screenings and watch people just watch engage it, with yeah. things and then for a little while and then go out because he'd seen the film before. Mm. Um, unless he had, he just wanted to watch it. Because mm, there's the little office tucked away in the far corner of the Civic so that, that you yeah. would never know to look at past the bathrooms. And like, mm. and it was only sort of in some very later years. I mean, I was, I was really passionate about the festival for over a decade. And um, well, after you started writing for Lumiere, mm. I started writing for Lumiere and... Um, at some point um, in 2016, I was asked to do a Q&A, uh, and so I think I discovered the little office around mm. <laughs> there to pick up some some complimentaries or something. And I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I remember the first time I went up there as well. And yeah. Like, oh, hey, and, and the big... It's a little, little bit like going the wind behind the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, <laughs> and they had a mini screening, oh. um, a viewing... Um, uh, screen in there where they were, like, they were like um, previewing some of the films oh right I, I'm not sure if it was the one that was playing or mm. I think that was like it's yes yeah, <laughs> it, it was pretty it was pretty cool yeah. yeah so do you have a first conscious memory of like oh this is Bill Garsden oh, not so much well I mean I, I remember him always speaking and interviewing mm. and going this is the man that sort of 
helps pull all this together and yeah. has a has a you know a strong um, influence on the program. So he was always the the person I, I kind of looked up to as a as, yeah as you know orchestrating this thing and and so I knew the name um, and I would have seen him uh, all the years that I went to the opening, which probably would have started in maybe two thousand and four or something like mm. that, two thousand and three when I first went to. Well, maybe even 2005. I'm trying to think when I first um, wrote for Lumiere. I think it might have been 2005 that I first um, wrote mm. a review for Lumiere um, for the festival. Yeah. Um, but I, I met Bill, I, and I, this is one of my strongest memories, I met Bill in 2006, um, and I'd written a few reviews at that point outside of the festival, mm. and then I'd written a few reviews for films in the festival and then um, done end-of-year sort of... End, yeah. or end of festival summaries and end of year for some reason um, little pieces um, and we had been and I shared this on Instagram with some photos but uh, we had been um, at a I think at that point it was the MIC Moving Image Centre oh, yeah. shorts collections um, and, and I used to cover those for Lumiere for a few years running um, the New Zealand shorts um, and so we'd been to a screening there on Saturday early evening it was, like, it was like 5 o'clock session or 5.30 session and Bill had been there and had spoken and then all the filmmakers obviously were, were there and mm. doing their, their bits and pieces um, and then afterwards for some reason a bunch of people were heading up to a bar on K Road um, to hang out and, um, and I think that was at Sky City Centre actually Sky City yeah. Theatre and, um, and I ended up walking up there um, with Bill and so that's the first time I met him, and I and so we had a we had a nice chat. Um, we got talking about the Morris PLR perspective that was playing in two thousand six, oh, yes. and I had I like the rep, uh, the retros, um, and I had um, had a struck struck big with Bresson on in two thousand and one, out of, just out of the blue, having known nothing about it. I knew nothing about PLR. I'd never seen a PLR film, didn't know who he was, right. and so I thought oh, I'll get to a few of these, and so I ended up booking seven tickets uh, right. out of the ten that played. Um, and I'd already seen Naked Childhood, I think, before this, um, which I loved. Um, and yeah. so, and Bill was just super excited to hear that someone was yeah. engaging, um, and someone who was writing as well was engaging in the retrospective mm. and not just going for all the modern big name directors. Yeah. And and I so we had a really fun conversation about French cinema and some of the um, yeah. works that he was aware of that I wasn't, and some of the stuff that I'd seen, how I'd engaged with Bresson and really that had kind of been a cinematic turning point for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we just spent the bulk of the night just chilling out, having some drinks, mm. talking cinema, and yeah, smiling, and, and that was really nice. And and it was a lovely evening. And and from that point on, um, every year I would just catch up. Not, you know, I, I I wouldn't say I was, I would say I was a friendly acquaintance with Bill rather than yeah. friend. Um, but every festival it's a very strange thing with a public figure to figure out where you sit yeah and but every festival um i'd like the first couple of years i felt a little bit awkward going up to him even though we'd sort of and but you know you'd inevitably catch him between sessions at the civic often just standing against the wall reading a reading something yeah or he'd often stand in that little lobby yeah yeah and it was just kind of like well you're here so i'll talk to you yeah and that's one reason like i mean i've written before about bill for panograph punch and uh when i was writing about the new zealand film festival's 50th anniversary Mm. and and it's like well i don't want to sound like oh i talked to bill it's like he was there he Mm. was he was 
available and he was you know he was not somebody who let his fame mean that you know he yeah. hid in a far corner or whatever he he wanted to know what people thought of the films and he wanted to well i don't know about you but from my experience right. he wasn't like what i call a super effusive no god well that's the funny thing isn't it yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was always happy to have spend some time talking film with people who yeah. love film um and we had we had um many i would look forward to spending a couple of um you know like you know, 15 20 minutes between films talking to him about yeah. what what had he seen that had surprised him or yeah. that um that he thought would had something even if it wasn't his favorite film had something special or different about it yeah and i really want to hear about those because you know he sees so many things and yeah. and has um a lot of insight so it is it is a common thing i, I listened to um uh simon morris's uh one of his interviews with him after mm. his um passing and i i listened to it and i've told this story on facebook i think but um in 2012 um i was commuting across the country um i'd been working in Dunedin, and i was coming back up and i just happened to be in a place where I'm like, oh, I'm here alone and Bill's on RNZ and I'm just going to sit and listen. So I listen to the whole thing and they're talking about the various films and he started raving about this film called Vivan Los Antipodos and he had all, all these other films and then Simon Moore started uh, big, big upping the new Paolo Sorrentino film, This Must Be the Place. Mm. And I was a big Paolo Sorrentino fan. I loved Consequences of Love in particular mm. and I really enjoyed The Family Friend and I was really looking forward to this one. And um, Bill says... Can we not talk about that, please? <laughs> and and he goes on to kind of he's like you know I I'm programming because there's people who want to see it, but you know and and I I I've spent a lot of time thinking about that moment mm. and thinking about if there's any other director of an arts festival mm. that would throw one of their own products under the bus in in such a way, but also like it was part of what the reason that people trusted Bill is yeah. that, you know, he, he... He was honest about... Yeah, He yeah. didn't feel like he was giving a sales pitch. And that was... It's also, I know, that one thing that was quite controversial for a lot of people is people would request screeners and often instead they'd be like, oh, here's the films we think you'd like. Mm. And um, and you it's like, you don't get to choose, we get to choose. Mm. But I know that he was quite protective of, like, you know, I think he was somebody who understood in a way that a lot of cinephiles don't, that not every film is for everybody, everybody. Yeah. but every film is for somebody. somebody. Yeah. And everything he programmed was for somebody. Yeah. And to give that film to the wrong person and throw it under the bus when they didn't deserve it. I mean, I uh, there's a film, uh, I don't think I'll mention who it's by, but it was a local filmmaker and it had a big premiere at the Civic and um, the next morning, there was a scathing review of it from somebody who was writing for the listener at the time and um, in their film blog. And Bill was furious because he felt like it was such a dismissive review. And it was the first review that filmmaker ever got. Mm. And yeah. and he was just so protective, yeah. you know, and that and that. Um, Compassion. I mean, you can see that in the filmmakers that he brought and the effort he mm. took to bring filmmakers as yeah. well. I mean, there was always a fistful of guests every year, many of which 
seeing Visionary in retrospect. I mean, I know that you spent time with Sean Baker, mm. who at the time was not a name on anybody's lips. Mm. Um, and Chris Sivertson and... Um, and so many, you know, so many other people that are kind of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. people that... Um, directors of um, little genre films like Ty West came and I remember... Yeah, oh, yes. I remember after the... the and, and I'm not a horror fan. Um, I, I think I did mention in a previous podcast that I sat up um, very late and, re- and watched House of the Devil because I hadn't seen it uh, right. in cinema um, by myself. I started at 1.30am or something. Oh. That was a poor choice. Um, and Are they I, falling asleep level because it's a slow burner? I'm, the, I'm not going to go to sleep afterwards because it goes go to and watch, it, watch like a half episode, like half hour episode in some comedy after <laughs> at 3.30am and I had work the next day. It was oh, terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, poor choices. Um, but, but yeah, um, Ty West came with the innkeepers, which, um, mm. which I really enjoyed, although I, I've, I have... Vivid memories of being so physically sore because I had tensed up and my shoulders were <laughs> killing me afterwards. Um, but um, he was around, did a Q&A, and then uh, we ended up... Um, uh, Barrett K. Road, as I remember. Yeah. yeah. We ended up um, hanging out for a bit, and he was it, like just telling things about... Um, like I hadn't seen Tiny Furniture, I put it later, but he said... He was talking about how him and Lena and various other people had come up in a similar circle and how they... Yeah, yeah. The, the whole thing of this kind of community of filmmakers mm. screwing each other on but he said he, he was the in real life he was the guy on the couch who just turned up and stayed for a bit <laughs> but he said he thought the portrayal was perhaps a little injured but it, <laughs> which I found very yeah. amusing um, yeah but those opportunities were fantastic and, and obviously the start of this podcast um, yes. revolved around one of those moments where um, with a with a um, incredibly strange uh, screening. It was actually after the um, after the Winnebago Man screening um, yes. Q and A, um, where there weren't that many people there, but uh, you and I were there. I think Dan Rutledge was there and a few others. Yeah. Um, and Ant kind of Ant had sort of uh, uh, facilitated the Q and A and said, "Hi, hey, we're going out for dinner before the next screening of um, Best Worst Movie or one of those ones." Um, yeah. Do you guys want to come out? And it turned out that um, that uh, Michael that, Paul Stevenson, yeah, Michael Paul Stevenson, um, and Ben Steinbauer, who's who was the director, of Winnebago Man director, um, yeah. we're going, and so we went to Mise Bar, yeah, um, and um, and that's where I met you, yes, probably. Um, and you, and there was a couple of friends of yours there. I think Annette was there. Yeah, Annette, I think yeah. Steve, one of the Steve, Steve Chow maybe, or uh, Steve Austin. I, I knew Steve at that point, but yeah, okay. I think Steve might have been there, Steve Chow. Mm. Um, and so yeah, so we had a, mm. I, for me it was a lovely time, for Michael it was probably a bit much film, yeah. film geek mania Adam. We <laughs> essentially said nothing about Best Worth Movie and just spent the entire time grilling him about Troll 2 details. Yeah. <laughs> I remember him telling me about this amazing interview that he had that he hadn't been able to include on it because he mm. um, there's a bit with the um, musician in um, oh, no, the yeah. composer in Troll 2 oh, yeah. uh, in Best Worst Movie and apparently at the end he was like really desperate to show this thing where he would play like this keyboard with his feet and so he recorded all this and he's like it's going to be on the DVD as an extra and it wasn't and I'm like ah oh, desperate to see that but um yeah, that, I mean, that led to a lot of things because yeah. it led to us becoming friends and it yeah. led to this. It also led to um, me going to L.A. and filming 
um, George Hardy and Alan Bach of Birdemic <laughs> and Juliet Danielle yeah. for, um, from the, the room, room for a scene for um, Andrew Todd and Johnny Hall's movie Go Shark to Urban Jaws that um, I think Andrew's quite nice and says, well, you know, it was, <laughs> to be fair, that was probably a difficult directorial ask, but I also didn't do a great job of filming it regardless. But um, he wound up picking up a few other scenes with Juliet for the film yeah. that made it. And if you buy the um, whole package online, you can see those, oh, like those deleted scenes. But it is kind of, um, yeah, it's, the thing is like creating this hyperstructure of the film festival. Yeah just is the seed for all of these things. And that's the connection that like, as somebody who arrived in New Zealand in 2004 and, you know, drove down and saw, I think old boy and Ong Bok on my first night at the civic. Oh, I think yeah. if, if I remember, I can't remember exactly what I saw what night mm. and I went looking for the schedule and I couldn't find it, but I, um, but yeah, just, um, and very quickly realizing these are my, you know, these are my people. And then over the years, you know, you, there's often people that you would only see once a year, but you'd see them there. And then yeah. eventually, and then like people would like Steve Austin would move here from Christchurch or yeah. um, Steve Chow and I would know each other from the 48 hours forum. And he'd be like, Hey, you go to the film festival or <laughs> whatever. And um, yeah. And it, it was, um, it's just such a nurturing environment for yeah. those friendships. I, I hadn't and, even yeah. thought of that. There are many friendships now that are mm. close in, in many ways. Um, that, right. that same as you that I that I nurtured at the film festival. Steve Steve Chow and I, um, we've been trying to get out for another skate. We, we, oh yeah, yeah. Of, of, of our age group, we're the only. T- um, well, two two of only a few that we. How do you that, skate on a walker anyway? That, that, <laughs> that's still skateboard, and so we yeah. go out um, when we can um, to skate parks and what have you, and and um, and, and we met um, through Alistair Quinn actually through Lumia. Oh yeah, I, who, I, yeah. I um, reviewed. I was reviewing the shorts thing where mm-hmm. um, where Steve's um, one of Steve's. I'm not sure if it's his first short that made it into festival. Memory booth. Yeah, um, yeah, that's where I met him as well. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, I think it is, yes. And and I, I reviewed that set, including that one for Lumiere that year. Um, yeah, and so there's this great network of friends and 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 cinephiles that um, that Bill's festival has helped draw yeah, together. I am, mm. and in fact, in my own uh, relationship. Um, I've told Bill once that if he really wanted to, he could claim an associate producer credit because um, shortly after uh, I, I, I had known my wife, Sarah Watt, for uh, a while as a, as a friend, and I had invited her to a cast and crew screening of Jake, and she wound up writing a review for it. Mm. And then she invited me to the... Um, film festival launch for behind the candelabra oh, yeah. and so we went to that together and then i got to go down to the party afterwards yeah. and blah 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 and i got to meet um i think that was the year that goblin was doing suspiria yeah, and i got suspiria. to meet one of the members of goblin and that was wow. all very exciting and then um and then about two months later sarah and i went from friends who are spending an inordinate amount of time together to uh, dating <laughs> and uh, now we're married. And so that, that was a very um, crucial turning point <laughs> in that yeah. uh, relationship. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, Actually, um, if we go right back, um, our, Melissa and my, my wife, um, uh, first date was at 
um, Film Festival 2000. Oh, wow. Um, and it was um, going to see Shane Meadows' A Room for Romeo Brass, which you right. wouldn't necessarily think of as a room date movie. Yeah, <laughs> date movie. But it, I have bur- been borrowing that from it, you for like a year and a half, and I still haven't watched it. Which, but yes. which, which is, but you know, that, that film, we both really dug it, and we became mm. um, avowed um, Shane Meadows fans um, to this day. Um, and I um, caught up with. Um, the Vows, I think it was. No. Um, oh, the recent one. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, recent yeah. Um, television miniseries. It's not the Vows. It's something like that. Mm. The Silences or something. Yeah, something yeah, like I don't that. Know. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. So that our our um, that we'd been friends for many years before, yeah. but we'd not actually been anything past friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so our first our first romantic. Yeah. Uh, Night out was at film festival, which is uh, lovely, and then we've continued yeah. to share the film festival, and and then even this year, watching online from home, um, mm. uh, we did a number at home, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it's hard for people probably outside of New Zealand. I mean, you know, we're a country that's now roughly five million people, but part of it is also the, the film festival travels from location to location yeah. and, it's, and so it's, it's much broader now than it ever did yeah um, um but like the been, last few years has been like it's just gone it's, it seems like it like it starts in auckland in july mid-july and then or mid to late july and then sort of ends sometime in november maybe um yeah in the provinces where you know when i was first going it was it would it, it did wellington auckland and then it sort of slowly spread to christchurch and Dunedin. yeah and now it's Gore, Gore. And, yeah, <laughs> and the Manawatu and Havelock North, yeah, Hastings, you know, Napier. Oh, it's yeah. fantastic. Well, that and that's part of the digital revolution, but it's also mm. part of um, the vision, I suppose, and part of yeah. like there's a whole backstory about how there was like a Wellington-based yeah. film festival and an Auckland one, and you know, there's all this kind of somebody who's more qualified than I will someday write the book on all all the sort of machinations that allowed Bill to take. The film festival and make it mm. this national entity that then grew and grew and and I mean part of the power of the film festival is that they had certain clearances because for one thing uh, getting films rated in this country for distribution is an expensive endeavor and so the film festival subsidizing that and also the film festival will get discounts on that would literally often mean the difference between whether a film could be screened in this country or not, because there wasn't necessarily anyone else who would put up the $1,500 to get it a rating, Hmm, you know? Um, And and that's not an insubstantial consideration, you know? And that... um, and, And so that curation is really relevant to what... New Zealanders have been able to see yeah. and even if some of those films have disappeared after that many of the others yeah. have actually because of their appearance in the film festival gotten the chance to become local yeah uh, well, releases just, yeah, just yeah, yeah. At, at the Rialtos at um, at the Capitals at, at those kind of um, more independent end cinemas um, yeah yeah and that's something i even on like say now you look at something like the Rialto channel on Sky mm. or various other places you can see there's a run of things that went to the festival that yes. end up in those places which is fantastic yeah. And but then there's the things that um, Bill and the other programmers would choose that um, 
that had no chance of going anywhere else. Yes. And and even to this day, they're difficult to find mm. in any me- other medium. Did you ever see a film called The Python? No. I accidentally discovered it, like, looking through um, some old uh, film festival stuff when I was looking for the... Um, try to figure out if the schedule from 2004 was online so I could look oh, out yeah. what I would have seen that first night. And, and it's, and it's be- like a Latvian film oh. that was like... Um, this amazing it sounds like this amazing droll parody of this school that had like two pets and one of them's kind of cute and one of them's a python <laughs> and all the kids want to take pictures with a cute one so the python gets loose in the neighborhood yeah. and it has like you know and it's had no kind of like follow through in its existence but mm. I can think of I mean I certainly like I can think of films that I've seen at the festival um, that very similarly, you know, have just disappeared into yeah. the ether. You know, Aita, the um, oh yeah, 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 the Basque film, um, which um, Steve Chow and I saw and loved, and it just vanished away. One that um, one that pops to mind to me is as a film um, I saw. Oh, gosh, two thousand and seven or eight, something like that. Um, yeah. Called Build a Ship, Sell Sadness. Yes, yes, I've heard. Um, which that was, one it was kind before, of like yeah. an art school or you know a film school film yeah. um, by a little known Lauren Federline, I think was the name of the um, filmmaker. Um, yeah. And I mean, it was rough, um, right? But it was interesting, and I actually quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, try and track stuff like that down. <laughs> it's near impossible. Um, and um, but what I was going to say, uh, a memory that sort of popped up that had Bill in it, but also around the the shift be- between um, from primarily thirty five mil to digital in the NZIFF happened around between kind of twenty ten twenty eleven I think yeah yeah because um, I remember the specifically there was one year because Auckland didn't have any or only had one decent um, DCP cinema it didn't. Um, we missed out on a whole bunch of stuff that Wellington got that yeah. year. And I was like, oh, what's happening? And That was the year that they had Drive and uh, yeah. Play. Yeah, and things that we just we didn't, yep. we didn't have a chance to see. And, um, and, and I remember thinking, oh, this is problematic. <laughs> um, and then I think it was in great part because Bill lobbied on behalf of the festival with the um, Civic, and I don't know if they managed to sort of raise funds or if the um, Auckland... Um, whoever the council group right, was yeah. raised funds, but eighteen or something. Yeah, yeah. That, that year um, the Civic um, got re-kitted between those two years, between twenty ten and twenty eleven, yeah. with um, a new digital setup. Um, so new DCP projection, new sound, and in twenty eleven, um, Melancholia played, and I watched it mm. in the Civic, and I subsequently watched it again with Melissa in the Rialto, and it was a completely different experience. I yeah. um, I missed Melancholia at the festival, and I heard so many friends talk about it. Mm. And I saw it when it finally got released at the Capitol, and it just felt like such a damp squib. Yeah. And I remember when people talked about The End, yeah. um, which um, is because apocalyptic. Yeah, when, when and it just the- felt like such a, like... Yeah. Meat cup of tea by comparison in the, in to the Civic idea. with the new sound system that was there. I mean, and the size of the screen. Yeah, you've got this planet kind of flying towards these people sitting in a makeshift kind of tent Tar- structure yeah, yeah. sort of thing. Um, yeah. And and it just kind of the the sound for that, and then you just got this big rumbling sound, which yeah. then just goes to a massive low rumble that just carries on as the film fades to black, and as it it sits in black for like half a minute, just rumbling. Yeah, and you could feel it in the seats in the Civic 
like you could just feel this low thing kind of shaking you and it, it was it was really was something um and i i caught up with bill um after that screening um in the, in the civic um and we had a big chat about um about how the upgrade had gone yeah. and how it was really making film some films um and um yeah, and, and that was another nice memory I had of talking mm-hmm. to him about melancholia and about how yeah. well that worked in that space and, and on that size of that screen. But uh, another similar one, which wasn't in... I mean, I love 35mm, but yeah. the 4K restoration of... Um, I think it was 4K. Maybe 2K, I don't know, 4K. Restoration of um, Stalker, which played in 2017. Oh, yeah. Which, and, and I'm a long-time um, Tarkovsky fan, but I'd never seen one on a big screen I'd seen right. I'd seen a 16mm oh really wow the, the first film I'd seen of his was Advanced Childhood on right, a 16mm yeah. screen print at university yeah um, and um, and then I bought a whole bunch of DVDs off the strength right. and watched them but I'd not had an opportunity to see in cinema and then yeah. when Stalker came um, that was one of those ones where I'd yeah. seen, I had the DVD of and I watched it and you're like the, the imagery in this is so cinematic. Yeah. And so I sat like in row C. I think we, there were a couple of us up yeah. there. I think I was sitting next to you. Because I just wanted to be yeah. overwhelmed by this yeah. image. And it, it was, it was magic. Yeah. It was, that was a glorious experience. Yeah. Um, I, I, the running into Bill after things, I remember, um, seeing him after certified copy which is mm. one of my 10 favorite films of the decade and i immediately went out to him to rave and i i think i'd been talking to him to prior about stuff and um and that was when he mentioned um oh also just quietly we finally got uncle boon me and that oh, was the yeah. year that uh, uncle boon me was like this very late addition to the yeah, festival yeah. and it was the palm door and in the end i've seen uncle boon me twice and i haven't liked it very much mm. but just the satisfaction on that man's face like, and yeah. like you know because that was the thing is like it was actually like really fucking hard you know canada's at the end of may mm. new zealand film festival is in the middle of july yeah. And, you, you know, you have to have the program locked by mid-June. So to actually, like, negotiate with all of these international buyers, you know, these 15, 20, in some years, 25 mm. films that played at Cannes, um, some of which you don't want to buy sight unseen. So yeah. you have to have Sandra Reed over there watching yeah, this film. Yeah. So I've been fortunate enough to meet and is, you know, lovely and you know, works her ass off over yeah. there trying to see everything. And I don't always agree with her. Like I, yeah. hit, I hit Bill up one year because, um, the Claire Denis film, um, bastards never played here. Oh, yeah. And I finally caught up with it. And I thought it was great. And, um, and I was like, you know, what's up with that? And he's like, well, Sandra didn't like it. And it was too expensive for me to, you know, overrule mm. her on, you know, yeah, yeah. more or less, you know, and that's, and it was a similar thing with Hong Song Su because I yeah. remember like for a while we got every Hong Song Su film, film. Yeah. and finally it was like, he's just like, I, look, I can't, you know, <laughs> we can't keep losing money on Hong Song Su films when, you know, we could take a bet on something else that's something, you yeah. know, is equally commercially marginal but yeah. hasn't had, had an outing yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's and even with the 140 or 150 slots that mm. you know the film festival would have um yeah yeah I, I, yeah I remember talking to him about the cost of of getting some films in and why some things only had two or three screenings or went to Auckland only or Auckland yeah. Wellington but nowhere else because the cost of them was just yeah. um absorbent um, it's a very complex business, and and yeah. he would he would kind of like 
wear it seemingly calmly, but it only took like kind of the smallest scratch yeah. to reveal. I remember seeing Norte, The End of History, mm. and I loved that film. Yeah. And the next day I saw him at the Academy. He was he was there to introduce some other film, and I said how much I loved it. He's like, uh, could you tell my board about that? Because they're not very happy with me. <laughs> Words for those effects. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, it was a four-hour film, and, yeah. and it played the opening weekend to 15 people yeah. at the um, Queen Street Cinema, where they could have played some mediocre, like, yeah, yeah. you know, arts documentary <laughs> okay. and, and sold 600 seats Six, between yeah. two screenings instead yeah. of 15 collectively for a film they chart. And um, and I was passionate about it to get enough other people there to that I think there were, like, 25 or 30 at the second screening. It was still... At the end, it was still a four-hour, you know, yeah. Filipino film, and, and Lab Diaz hasn't returned to these yeah. shores since. But, um, but you know, those were the... Um, you know, swings through the fences that but he yeah, take. Yeah, taking on, like, yeah. um, I remember watching, um, was it uh, it's an Argentinian film, I think, Extraordinary Stories? Was oh, yeah, Historias Minimus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And that was uh, in kind of three chunks, and that yeah. was that was four and a half hours or thereabouts. Uh, I think, yeah, or maybe even six. But I, I, I didn't see it. But, but yeah. that, that wasn't taken at the Civic. That, I saw yeah, that yeah. At, the, at the smallest piddly ass yeah there, there's the e cinemas yeah, at Rialto yeah. which I skipped a few which I also saw Trash Hunters at so what <laughs> Trash Hunters oh yes I remember that year yeah. there were a bunch of yeah. things at those screens I was like yeah that screen yeah. wasn't good enough. at least for Trash Hunters you thought well it kind of suits the screen I still have fond <laughs> memories of seeing um Hidden or Caché oh, the yeah. Michael Haneke film in the which was an opening night, night film yeah. that I remember um Bill introducing in his inim- inimitable mm pause laden sort of way <laughs> the master of the pregnant pause yeah. that Bill was and um, but also like the amazing experience of seeing 2,000 people yeah. flinch in unison yeah. and then later I saw a second time I saw Cachet in one of those little screens at the um, Rialto yeah. that was e-cinema and it, it, was, it reminded me what an amazing um missionary treat it was to take this film that yeah. would other that required such a large canvas because of yeah. those extreme wide shots so, yeah. and to give it one whereas so often it would be just yeah um you know i mean the the treatment that it had yeah. otherwise in a multiplex was not and fair that, and that's another thing i really enjoyed about um bill's tenure at the festival my um in the years that i have attended the opening nights um there's been a real mix of, um, and it and it would seem to not necessarily every year, but it would seem to um, kind of pivot back and forth between something that was incredibly broad and accessible. Yeah. Because like opening nights are a lot about, I mean, you've got people who are kind of film festival people, kind of not, and or they're just people who like yeah. cinema who are giving it a go, and so they go to the opening night because it's a big event. Or there are people who are just like, yeah. work for one of the sponsors, yep. and like, it's got 63 uh, yep. tickets, yep. it's a movie, yeah. we're going. Yeah, and so yeah. You, there's, there's the sponsors who are not necessarily into cinema, mm. but they've got a free ticket, so they're turning up. And then yeah. there's hardcore cinephiles like us who are like yeah. writing for... Um, for um, outlets and uh, you know and, and get invited to the opening night and, yeah, yeah. and the thing beforehand. So um, and so you'd have like I remember one year like you had Cache in two thousand and five, um, and then in two thousand and six yeah. you had the one that shakes the barley, which was a Ken Loach um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Irish um, Civil War. Um, oh, I remember that Ken yeah. Loach film, <laughs> and, and that was one of the things I remember. In that one, particularly, Melissa and I went and we were sitting upstairs, and oh, 
almost the entire two rows behind us got out and walked when the um, fingernail scene. Yeah, happened. when the yeah. when the torture scene happened, um, because they're like, "What the hell? This is not like I, I come to the movies for entertainment. What the hell yeah. <laughs> is this?" Um, and then and then like not too long after that, there was like um, the English um, version of uh, Death at a Funeral. Oh yeah, Oz, which was like super accessible <laughs> um, comedy, you know, like yeah. r- romantic comedy sort of thing. Um, love story, I am love. There have yeah. been a bunch of yeah, um, and and then he also used the opening night for like you say love story for New Zealand premiere. Yeah, so some are great memories at, at the um the Poirier um, oh, story of our yeah. song, um, which had um, Patia Māori Club performing, um, Dark Horse where um, um, James Napier was it. The director James Napier yeah. Robertson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and a whole bunch of um, uh, Genesis Portunifano from um, from Side Afiti came. Um, oh, cool. And it was you know there was um, Haka and some and some and some cool It was it was yeah. wicked. So giving a thing uh, platforms for New Zealand films. And, and on foreign um, yeah. with Love Story, which was fantastic as well. Yeah, and even in smaller venues. Like, I mean, I only discovered uh, The Red House because of oh, yeah. the film festivals back Alex then. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, and I should probably detour a little bit because I made a film that I submitted to the film festival that was mm. rejected. And I was reviewing Bill's um, critique of it earlier tonight. And it actually mm. it was submitted twice because his first... Um, he struggled with it quite a bit, and I, and it was an uncommonly generous rejection, as it yeah. were, uh, which I only discovered after we got rejected from many other festivals. <laughs> but um, and um, and his his comments, you know, really, we just had kind of been like, oh, it'll play the festival, and then it didn't, and it was like, oh. And, you know, we took it back and we edited it and we made it a stronger film as a result. And certainly there's been no shortage of filmmakers in his passing that have sung his praises for their um, for the Thanks. film festivals yeah. launching of their careers, be it, you know, from mm-hmm. Gaylene Preston um, yeah. uh, to um, Florian Havoc, obviously, yeah. and um, Alex and a um, myriad of others. But um, I'd be really curious to know how many other film makers were rejected but benefited from that and it makes me sad that I never made a film that Bill liked yeah um, or well I mean he his comment was something like you know we we've programmed films that are not as good but they hit their mark yeah and I I, I I imagine it's not much of a solace that um, we're not programming this because it aims higher mm. um which is a very Bill thing to say, and, yeah. but also well, an accurate but one. It, yeah. But it is accurate, because I have seen some films that played the festival in some, some local yeah. films in years, which were nowhere near as good quality as Jake. Um, Thank you. But again, every film is for yeah. somebody, and... Bill wasn't able to project himself yeah. into no. that audience, and I don't think and the audience some, the for Jake is very of, easy. The either. ones I was thinking of were, were quite specific in terms of yeah. their place, and yeah, and yeah. let's let's throw them under the bus now. No. <laughs> but um, but um, but yeah, and and I actually found out from another friend who I I will spare from mentioning here, um, who had made a film that um. Apparently, Bill just fucking savage. So I don't think he was just trying to no. bend over backwards to be yeah. nice to filmmakers. No, um, I think that it was 
you know, there there was so much in building this film, this country's film culture, yeah. and that's with Bill's passing. That's kind of um, you know, it happened the weekend of Terrify and James Partridge, who runs Terrify. I've gotten to know a bit, and we you know we've had these discussions of like, you know, what is the film culture of New Zealand's future hmm. look like? And and obviously, it's a very even if COVID wasn't a factor, yeah, it's a very strange time because of what's happening with streaming and what's happening mm. with so many other things and the blurring between, you know, what's... I mean, there's. have you been following this whole Steve McQueen thing? No. So Steve McQueen, who did 12 Years a Slave and oh, yeah, Widows yeah. and Shame yeah. and all that, A Hunger. Oh, um, yeah, I know. He... Well, I'm just making sure you're not thinking about the American actor yeah, yeah, from Poland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, he uh, has this thing premiering on Amazon Prime called Small Axe. Hmm. And um, it's five episodes, but each episode is roughly feature length hmm. and completely different in topic. And three of those five uh, films, including Lover's Rock, Mangrove, and I think Red, White, and Blue played at New York Film Festival as, as films. films. And apart from generally be, being set in the same era, they're completely independent. Yeah. So it's like, is this a series of five films being presented under the Small Axe banner? Is this a it could be. five episode TV show called Small Axe of all yeah, different maybe, lengths? Maybe this, or was, is this it, was his chance to get distribution. Yeah, well, it was it was a thing he wanted to get made, and he got it made, and he's yeah. ma- essentially doubled his filmography in terms yeah. of titles, but under this yeah. rubric of that, and yeah. you know, I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of blurring with um, you know filmmakers from you know Scorsese to David Fincher going more or less direct to Netflix, yeah, but um, those have still clearly been films, yeah. So, you know, and I mean, it's not the first... I mean, New Zealand Film Festival played Jane Campion's Top of the Lake yeah. Series 2. So yeah. um, this blurriness is just part and parcel of our everyday yeah. now, I suppose. And maybe that's... I mean, you know, in, in some ways it feels like an apposite time for a page turn, but also 66 is just way too fucking young. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. It is incredibly sad. Um, yeah, and I. I mean, I, I felt a sense of loss when he retired a couple of years ago because yeah. of the illness. Um, just because, like I said, his his tenure at the um, film festival and his leadership and um, and programming. Um, yeah. Uh, are intimately linked with the development of my film going and my yeah. um, cinephilia and, and the things that I've had the opportunity to see and then the the way my film taste has opened up because of the opportunities yeah. that I've had through this festival um, yeah it's, it's just very sad um, and I'm so glad that I got a chance to to meet him and 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 hang out with him a bit um, and I, I one of the things that um, that I didn't say just now about when I met him um, in 2006 and when we went for that night out um, yeah. which was the longest period of time I've ever spent with him um, I mean, subsequent to that we would maybe go and grab a coffee 
the odd drink here and there um, right. with a, with other people or, or just kind of mostly just hanging out in cinema in between things, yeah. mostly at the Civic, um, uh, was that when we were walking up, he um, commented on one of my reviews um, and I was shocked to know that he'd actually read something I'd mm. written um, as someone who was not much of a writer and hadn't really been writing all that much um, to... And, and it, but it did show me how much he respected Lumiere and Tim's work. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's the thing, is that part of the work that he was doing is about building this film culture mm. in New Zealand, and that's part of this void. Yeah. I don't want to say void, because that implies there's nobody to fill it. No. But part of this... Um, Thoughtful engagement. The, well, part of this gap that's been left going forward. And I'm, I mean, I'm personally in a situation where I used to write for Lumiere, and Lumiere no longer exists. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I wrote for Panagraph Punch, and Panagraph Punch... Doesn't do film reviews Not anymore. particularly yeah. anymore. And we, I wrote for the spinoff, and the spinoff only interviews only covers films if they can meet the filmmaker mm. or in, and they're Quentin Tarantino mm. and that seems to be it and so you know there's this question of well how does one service this kind of yeah. need and is this kind of like the equivalent of like trying to big up radio plays in 1930 is or is is this still a vital form and i i mean for me that's still a very open question not to Mm -hmm. mention the whole kind of well you know i also want to make films Films, i don't want to just talk about other people's films but um but i think of it one thing i um bill would introduce not only the opening films but also the closing films yeah. and um one year he introduced a silent film and every year at the film festival the there's the official closing night film which will be some kind of big film or and, or it would be compliance <laughs> it was compliance a closing night film I'm pretty sure it was that's oh, no, fucking no. weird. No, I'm maybe pretty it wasn't. sure we just uh, saw no. that at the Academy oh, no. on the uh, last night, and I don't think it was the. Oh, I no. think it was the night that the film festival closed. It wasn't the closing yeah, yeah, night okay, film. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Actually, yeah. I think that might have been Tree of Life. Yeah, no, uh, no, Tree of Life was the centerpiece. Centerpiece. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, because I w- I almost missed it because I was at a print of. Um, well, yeah, I was I watching my right. joy I, in the print was, work, was, and I had to rush to it, and it was all a mess. Uh, uh, so I think it was at the Rialto. Yeah, 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 we yeah, might have I've done that together. Yeah, yeah. do you need Speaking to top up of this, please, please? We moved to the Bond and Lloyd Bourbon whiskey. That's quite nice. Um, yeah, it is. Um, Where did you get that from? Uh, I found it in Queenstown, of all places. Mm. Actually, we were down there a few weeks ago, but that's probably not a story for here. No. Um, the um, story about the closing night film, which is. Uh, sorry, excuse me. The, the silent film that's on the final night, which is the yep. live cinema, is that he'd have a film that usually the Auckland uh, Philharmonic, Philharmonic Orchestra would accompany. Or they would get um, a, an or, yeah. alternative. Yeah, some, some, some sort position. of live music yeah. uh, performance to accompany a usually a classic silent. And yeah. one year, and I can't re- I think it was 2012, and I think it was Nosferatu, but I might be wildly off base on both of those things. Um, he sung the praises of, um, it had been shortly after he'd taken a gap year, and he'd gone to Il Cinema Ritrovato in Bologna. And um, he talked about how they would have 
um, these screenings in Italy mm. under the moonlight. And they would screen this in this public square and it would be this amazing thing. And, that you know, hundreds of people would gather to watch this restored film. And, you know, apart from and how the Civic, of course, with its starlit, um, artificially starlit ceiling yeah. evoked that and, and how um, similar it was. And I said, well, I would love to do that one day. And then in 2019, when... Um, Sarah and I took five months out of our life and went to Italy, mm. Italy and France, and we, you know, we immediately booked in Cannes. And I'm like, I really want to go to Il Cinema Ritrovato, and she's like, I don't know what that is, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and it was amazing. Uh, I might have talked about it last time, but yeah. um, I, um, but uh, it, this was the year after that Bill had been diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Uh, and you know the the film festival was technically under new leadership, uh, and in fact, the film festival program it was launched. kind of in between, wasn't it? Yeah, like they, Martin he, hadn't started. Martin didn't start till the next year, yeah. and I'd actually met Sandra Reed, who is a programmer, when we were in Paris, mm. and uh, we saw her at Cannes as mm. well, and we, um, which was really a lovely thing to be have able to been done, um, but uh, as it turned out. Bill was able to travel back to Bologna. And so my wife and I were eating on the street and um, Bill just popped next to our table and, and, and our, on the street in the middle of the day and started talking to us. And he he had managed to get clearance from his doctor because his cancer was in remission for a few months. And I mm. think um, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but at the funeral, they mentioned he had um facilitated um bill traveling yeah yeah over overseas and so and i ran into bill at a couple of the other screenings there and i just thought it was lovely that you know with this little time he had left he'd gone back to yeah uh, this place but also i i would have never been like oh yeah i've got five months in europe why don't I go to Bologna for a week and watch old silent films and yeah. other weird stuff? And um, and that was an amazing experience of a trip, even if that hadn't happened, of seeing Jane Campion introduce the piano in that same piazza and getting oh, wow. a bunch of Italians to do a hongi and Francis Ford Coppola doing a, a live course, live class, and 10 minutes in, these interviewers are trying to walk him film by film through his filmography, and he just kind of throws them over the bridge and says, I, I don't want to talk, do this. I've done this before. What do you guys want to know? Yeah. And then all these like young European filmmakers are like, how do you get funding? He's like, you've got iPhone, shoot something. You know, you can do it for free, you yeah. know. Um, but, um, but Bill getting to be there and us getting to see... Um, various film noirs and westerns and being at the same screening and we didn't spend a lot of time together but it was the last time i saw him and mm. and that like oh, knowing that within that window he still managed to mm. you know get Do out the thing that to, he yeah, yeah 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 um yeah it's it's funny i'm just looking over our that's quite moving our our films that we've because we've both kind of made a few bit of notes and mm. one of the things that for the for the longest time I think was a negative but which I retroactively positioned as a positive I think you and I both have uh, memories of Dogtooth 
Yeah, um, yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos' film in 2008, a wacky dark comedy. <laughs> and I went to see it. Um, and I remember sitting in the Queen Street Cinema with about a. Uh, and it was packed. I can't remember if we were um, in this. We, we I don't, I don't even know if we, knew, if, we were, if we knew each other at that point. Yeah, in 2008 we would have. Yeah, because uh, yeah. we met in 2006, I think. Um, mm. Or No, actually, no. It was 2009. That yeah, we, 2009. So, But all I know is that... A whole um, bunch of people left. Yeah, there were a lot of Greek people who thought they were seeing a fun, um, slightly Greek, off family comedy. comedy. Yeah. And it was a family comedy well, technically <laughs> and that there was a family but apparently they were just having sex with each other oh my god there wasn't clear labelling because I remember on the um, Lumiere review of it yeah um, some people had complained in the comments um soon yeah. after Tim disabled the thing um about um how there there was no um uh clear indication of um what the age range was and someone had taken their um, 15 or 14 year old to it oh gosh and then been highly offended and walked out as, as well they should <laughs> to be fair like I mean I would not watch that film with my 14 year old if one were to exist um, but uh, it's funny because I mentioned uh, Viva Los Antipodos earlier yeah. when I was talking about that and um, after Bill's the day Bill I found out that Bill died I listened to that bit of radio mm. and then I remembered that um, uh, I'd never seen Viva Los Antipodos and that he would praised it on this mm. um, thing. And I'm like, I'm going to watch this. And I remembered he just praised it as this amazing, life affirming film. And it has so many wonderful things in it. And, and and you'll walk out of the theater and you're just, you know, higher than a kite and yeah, all this buoyant. stuff. It ends with a whale literally being cut to pieces on a New Zealand beach. Like, I'm not, like, exaggerating. It's yeah. literally like there's a beach whale. And they can't and get it out. And yeah. they can't get it out. So mm-hmm. they just chop it to pieces. That sounds like a very New Zealand experience. <laughs> it's not a New Zealand filmmaker either. It's... Um, uh, Vasily, oh, I can't remember his name. Victor mm. Konoslavsky. Uh, oh, Konoslavsky. Yeah, the guy who made Aquarella, and um, yeah, but um, Postman's White Knights. Is oh, did he make that as well? Uh, oh. I don't know. Um, anyway, he. Um, but it. But also, like, I kind of, I thought about Dogtooth, and I thought about that film, and I thought about Bill, and I feel like that, like. A, you know, somebody who watches as many films as Bill has. I mean, there was this yeah. beautiful moment in Bill's memorial where Aunt Timpson, bless him, um, read this correspondence yes. talking <laughs> about life and death of a porno gang and saying, are you thinking of probing this? Or, you know, we're going to have, I'm not even going to say what he had to cut. And, yeah, yeah. you know, if you listen to this long enough, you know, I'm not usually retiring about these sort of details. But it, I, I feel like, you know, once you've seen a certain amount, that stuff jumps past you. And so I think... With Dogtooth, I feel like the stuff that's superficially shocking mm. was le- resonated less with him mm. than what was an you interesting know, really, critique of yeah yeah. That, yeah the interesting critique and the daring um, conceit and mm. the and the precision of the formality yeah. and all those things and similarly with Vivian Los Antipodas the the quality of the observed life and the um, beauty of the photography and the um you know there's all this kind of like moving 360 degrees on a um axis 
you know, in front of you and like seemingly like dipping through the world and coming out the other side and all these brilliant formal conceits. Mm. And, and he mentions in the review that it had been months since he'd seen it. And it's like, and, and that's, you know, there, there is these films that have these beating heart of this thing that, and, and that was what would stick with him is what would draw him to it. Not what would repel people. Yeah. From it, which you I, know, I think obviously went to the stream miscalculation. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, yeah. That that particular screening of Dogtooth um, had a number of walkouts, and and I heard I heard some of the comment commentary going on a couple of seats over and in front of me, <laughs> and I was loving it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a similar experience with Wayward Cloud as well, mm. which had a similar, I think, mm. sort of. Um, oh, you know, it's a Asian film and, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, we'll just come out and see this. And it's, it's you know, it's a fun musical. And then mm-hmm. at the last 10 minutes, it gets real dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, one, of, one of the things that I was wanting to touch on a little bit was um, particular films that have been significant for me mm. under Bill's time. Um, yeah. And probably the the, the um, foremost of those, and Melissa will laugh if she hears this, um, I, um, there was a, a, one of those um, Twitter things where people go, describe your favourite film in, you know, in a single line or whatever, yeah. um, and, or in a sentence, and I put um, once, twice, three times a lady... Um, right, and which uh, film was that for? Beaver Trilogy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Long time listeners will have actually heard us discuss this like seven years ago, eight <laughs> yeah. years ago. I don't know, but um, that remains probably one mm. of the pinnacles of my film festival experiences. Yeah. It was in um, Festival Two Thousand One, um, and my friend Nigel, who some of you will know, um, yes. Nigel and I uh, were festivaling, and we uh, we booked this on the strength of the strange sounding um, write up, and, and and again that's you know um, yeah. uh, kudos to the uh, to Bill and his team of um, team of people writing up um, the the program notes, which um, we've both been fortunate to have uh, participated in ourselves as well. And, and that's as a side though, that's something that. Um, I don't think I'd ever really fully appreciated was mm. the quality of Bill as a writer. And that's yeah. something that many people have pointed to in his passing and yeah. going back and seeing the actual precision of his language mm. in his writing is, um, you know, because it is, I mean, having written a few of those capsules right yeah. now, it really is an art to try to yeah, distill the, the essence of something down to a pithy Yes, like be able to yeah be able because to as of, those have, who have listened to several multi-hour installations yeah. of this podcast now we're not known for brevity brevity of the adventure I'll do to Reno yeah um and and I think that's one of the reasons um that uh, that that Bill really connected with our friend Tim. Um, yeah, as Tim is a, a beautiful turn of phrase and and a way of expressing um, thoughts around film. Yeah, that I think would really that obviously really um, resonated with Bill. Mm. Um, 
and hence Tom Tim's been working for the vessel the last couple last like yeah. how many years um, and several years overseeing now, yeah. um, a lot of the program notes. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, Beaver Trilogy we was just a, a really happening. We we stumbled into this thing. There was virtually no one else there. It was strange and weird. And even in the last week, I've had a conversation with a friend who had no idea what I was talking about and is now sort of teed up to yeah. to watch my rear DVD. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No, you've you've um, been a missionary of that film for uh, as yeah. long as I can remember knowing you for yeah. and. Um, but uh, so many of my um, my favourite filmmakers were discovered in festival contents. Mm. Um, people like um, Kelly Reichert, mm. um, where I, I I hadn't seen um, uh, uh, Old Joy, um, but yeah. I, I um, Melissa and I read the notes for um, Wendy and Lucy and thought, okay, this sounds interesting, and we went along and were just struck by um, the the very sort of the sense of um, of raw reality, yeah. um, particularly in uh, and that would have, that would have been kind of around the um, the last um, global financial crisis, crisis. Yeah. Um, and uh, and just looking at the results for everyday people of um, the falling out of the economy because yeah. of this weird form of capitalism we've been under for a long time. Um, <laughs> Um, anyway. and, and and that's put me on to Kelly Reichert's films. Yeah, um, uh, I, I mentioned before Shane Meadows that we uh, yeah. uh, that we happened upon in our first date. Um, a, a, another another film which was um, significant for me was um, a documentary The Devil and Daniel Johnston, which played in Festival of Five, yeah. um, and I had. Not that long before, heard of Daniel, I, like I didn't know Daniel Johnson in the nineties um, mm. when he was kind of this thing, this musical oddity <laughs> being discovered in the states by um, Kurt Cobain and what have you. Yeah. Um, but my friend Nigel had had known of him, and yeah. we'd been listening to that um, to some Daniel Johnson stuff that he had, and then all of a sudden there was a documentary about him in the yeah. festival, and I went along and and then uh, sort of discovered a bit about his life and and yeah. and was. Into him as an artist and as a musician, there's something very raw about him. And so. you know that I saw him like back in the day in Houston, right? Because no. he was like he was just a Texas musician. Yeah, yeah. And so like we brought him out to Houston, um, our radio station. Oh yeah, but yeah, to, you, yeah, yeah. Because you used to be uh, run a program on a radio show. Yeah, 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 yeah. and um, yeah, but um, yeah, and he'd do shows now out there wow. again. And then later when I was in I Port- Portland, actually, he um, uh, he had kind of had a falling of um, mm. sorts and then kind of got his act back together and then a band kind of coalesced around him and, yeah. he, and he managed to get a national tour out of that. And then of course he came well, to uh, Laneway. How, how long was through? Was... That was like 2002, something yeah. like that. Um, and then of course, yeah, when Laneway in like 2010 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, which is just to say that festival has kind of broadened my experience <laughs> yeah. outside of just film. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think that's. Um, I mean, one of the um, things I haven't talked about, which is what you, often what I lead with, is I, one of the very first times I talked to Bill, I was talking. I asked him what film he 
I should see. And he mentioned some film, and I still haven't been able to track down what it is, and I need to forensically go through all the programs. And it was like a three-hour film set in Corfu, and I was like, oh, it's three hours. And he scoffed, and he's like, three hours in paradise? And and there was something about that moment that like made me realize that part of his cinephilia was actually like being a person in New Zealand, especially, yeah. you know, films aren't just a vehicle for narrative or a vehicle for aesthetic expression. Mm. They're a method of transportation. Yeah, an entry into and, another part yeah, of the world. And, and, um, and there was a film in particular called Alamar that I took a flyer on one year mm. um, that's... Um, set in Mexico, but it's set in this funny little community that's actually like these um, huts that are in the water. Mm. And it's about um, this uh, couple that have separated in the sun. Um, the wife, I think, lives in Paris or something, and the son goes to live with the husband who like, lives on one of these huts and goes fishing for the day. Yeah. And um, there's basically no story. It's just... Um, living there and being there and and observing it for like 75 mm -hmm. and 80 minutes and being taken there and and there was something about seeing that film which is a very esoteric film um but that really got me into that mindset and certainly in this year <clears throat> where um you know i i was supposed to have gone back to america at a point this year oh, yeah. um i you know, and, and also, like I've mentioned this trip we took last year. We had initially thought, oh, we can't quite afford this. Maybe we should put this off. And in the end, we were just like, I got some um, zero interest rate American credit cards, and I managed to make it work yeah. and all this stuff. But, you know, if we had put it off a year, we wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to go done yeah. any of that. And yeah. so the value of film in oh, that way, films. yeah, yeah, has just really stuck with me. And I feel like there's a bit of Bill's programming that was always yeah. well, about that sort of. You know that I had long had a had a kind of a fascination love for Eastern European cinema. Yes, yes, and, it's come up before. Yes, um, and I and I've had I've had a a minor sort of opportunity at the moment to um, to travel to. Central Eastern European. You mean place. now? Now? No, 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 no. In the past. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I spent uh, a summer doing some kind of aid work in in um, in Serbia um, around the time in the late nineties when um, the NATO uh, bombing of Milosevic and stuff was going on. Right, right. I was, um, doing some work with um, Romani communities. Uh, wow. In, in southern. Um, towards Did you watch A Cost of My Home, by the way, at Dark Edge? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Highly recommended, but not relevant to the topic. We'll no. move on. Uh, but, um, but a lot of my loved festival viewing has come out of those spaces of Eastern European cinema that I've, that I've sort of been fascinated yeah. by the places that I'm hopefully going to be able to visit at some point. Yeah. Um, one that sort of pops out that I think we both saw was called Akrina or um, Outskirts. Oh yeah, I well before I moved here. But oh yeah, yes, yeah, because yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. it played festival here in '99, uh, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, I saw it in the Portland International yeah. Film Festival. It's a actually, black yes. and white. What, what I described as slow motion slapstick. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> on the back of a quad bike. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, but there was um, there was that um, uh, obviously stalker. Um, then in two thousand, um, there's a film that comes to mind really quite um, often from. Uh, Gosh, what's his name? Um, the chap who... Um, not Kuchelowski, uh Need a bit more detail. Uh, Sergei Vortsvoy, who did um, Top. Oh, Topin, which yeah. I haven't seen yet. Topin, which, which I really love, which was in the Kazakh steps. But he, um, uh, prior to that, uh, he'd done a little short um, that was in a double feature in um, Festival 2000 uh, with a Russian short called Alone about an old lady um, who was sort of talking about um, her, I guess, state of loneliness. I, I think her, maybe she'd never married her husband had died, I can't remember, but there was like all the bread lines in her exploring loneliness in Moscow. Um, but it was paired with um, uh, uh short called Highway, which was about a family... Who had it like a traveling circus in Kazakhstan in the like the very small yeah. town or village or whatever you want to call it, um, remote places in Kazakhstan, mm. um, in this old bus and rutted old mud roads, um, and they'd turn up at small villages and, and have this mm. kind of from our point of view pathetic circus act where yeah. you know dad would hold um, incredible weights. Um, it sounds like Ostrata in from a way. His teeth. Like uh, in a bit in his mouth, yeah. and then the son would like bang it with a with a um, sledgehammer or whatever, mm. and he'd yeah, look, my teeth aren't <laughs> falling out. Um, and but but it just showed them traveling from village to village and yeah. providing entertainment, and that was their livelihood. Um, yeah. And then at one point they find uh, an eagle on the side of the road who who's um, injured, and so they take it on, nurse it, and slowly nurse it back to health. Um, and that film like little films like that and just bizarre remote places that I have no connection to have stuck really firmly in my memory I, I find myself every few years bringing that up to people um, and it seems like such a small thing but it's um, it's something that um, Bill and his team pulled out and put yeah. into a program that has really kind of stuck in in my being as 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 an as a kind of illustration of the diversity of life on this mm. planet, and I think I mean those who've listened to a lot of these will have heard us struggle year after year with kind of going through the program, and mm. I think part of the perversity is that the less reason that's obvious for a film to be there, often the more reason there is for the film to be yeah. there, yeah, and that and that it is actually. Um, part of the unique nature of the programming is that, yeah, there's a certain amount of that's, you know, service to local distributors and service to people with big name directors. And obviously those big name directors will do good films. And obviously those local distributors will be picking up films that have high commercial potentiality. Um, But there are also these films that really, um, if you go through Letterboxd and you look at some of the previous iterations of the festival you see these films that just vanish and that there was no commercial Mm. or or critical imperative to program and somebody somebody found them and decided that yeah and that will either be bill or somebody on bill's team you know and bill will have signed off on being like 
I'm going to... We're gonna you know, put money do to that, and yeah. the and the new Almodovar film can go fuck itself and get general release or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, that's probably not exactly the conversation, but you know, it's something similar to that. And um, I mean, this is not a great example of that, but um, one of the ones that was, um, and you've mentioned before, um, the um, uh, the team from the uh, the documentary team. That did Leviathan. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, d- 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 yes, go on. I'll remember the names yeah. eventually. Um, yes. But the Leviathan, the the fishing boat documentary, yes. as opposed to the Russian um, allegory. Zivanitsev, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was also fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was something that was, um, you know, shot a lot on GoPros stuck on a, on a deep-sea fishing vessel yeah. um, that... Um, and I think I've talked about it in the past that I my grandfather was a commercial fisherman um, for uh, until he retired. Yeah. Uh, like he was a farmer before that, and then sort of the second half of my childhood, he was a commercial fisherman um, doing long lining. And and I spent um, two three summers um, um, working as a deckhand on his um, fishing boat. Mm surrounded by viscera <laughs> and um, occasionally being ill and getting sea legs and all that kind yeah. of stuff um, much smaller vessels than the ones that were in that but but at the same quite a similar aesthetic um, and so seeing that that documentary which I think made understandably made a number of people kind of ill because mm. of the the movement in it and the fact that the cameras were just being sloshed around by the, yeah. by the environment um that was that was like a, a doc, documenting of a kind of activity and 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 a, a, a detail and a, an experience that a lot of people would never have come across that I that, yeah. that I just kind of went that I had res- resonance with I like I recognize this but it was, I mean it's diff- slightly different to mm. what I've had but but it's it's fantastic that that other people are going to that have never had a chance to be out on a boat for like five, six, seven days or weeks at a time. Well, it's that Ebert thing, isn't it? That about movies being empathy machines or something Mm. and taking you into other people's lives. And Mm. that's, um, and that's the thing that the film festival does, I guess, is gives you this, uh, package of films that aren't, structured necessarily around the commercial imperative that traditional uh, distribution is, whether it's for um, those reasons or or for very different reasons. I mean, um, I, uh, because of my involvement with the film festival, I was going through and seeing what emails I exchanged with Bill Gosden and one was um, brought back a really fond memory, which was that I uh, was fortunate enough to interview the directors of Let the Corpses Tan uh, on stage, which was technically, I mean, it was programmed in incredibly strange, as was Devil and Daniel Johnson. So I don't know how much is Ant and how much is Bill, but yeah. um, regardless, Bill was like, can you look after these people? And I was like, hell yes, because um, their film on Mare played the um, film festival in 2010. And I came out of that, and that film. Had a big impact on you, yeah. It had a huge impact on me, and I came out and I had a fight with my friend 
Andrew, not quite, you know, physical fight, but like, um, he was like, that doesn't belong in a film festival. That belongs in like a museum or something. It's not, you know, I'm like, if it doesn't belong in a film festival, where the hell does it belong? Because it's gorgeous and brilliantly constructed. And, um, what are the film makers' names? Uh, for, yeah, uh, um, Katet Forzani. So, uh, uh, Bruno? One of them is Bruno and one's Elaine. Now, now, I think it's Elaine Catet and Bruno, Bruno Forzani. Yeah. But um, yeah, and they're and they're super lovely people, and they've made a mare. And then um, the strange color of your body's tears, which yeah. is never played here legitimately, sadly. And then although I've imported the Blu-ray because yeah. I'm fascinated, and uh, then let the corpses tan, yeah. which uh, and I got to interview them twice on stage and after the second time this guy waited after for like 20 minutes to just tell me how much he hated that film and particularly how horrible he thought it was that Elena Lowenson was so ugly and then he had um, and then it's like we're supposed to look at this woman and I'm like okay you know that's that's it don't you love those questions that are just statements yeah oh I mean I um, I look back at the thing I wrote for Panagraph Punch about the film the film festival's 50th anniversary and I had an aside about the number of people who have been traumatized by H.P. Lovecraft's uh, definition of horror at various Q&A's but still you know I mean for the good and the bad it is this um communal bringing together that no matter how good whatever the next thing on Netflix is it's not simultaneously communal you know we may have all experienced fucking Tiger King but you know we didn't experience it together and you know and the Queen's Gambit or whatever is that which I haven't seen yet but I think that's the new yeah, thing and that and that will be I in sort of pe- one. Was, uh, yeah, and that'll be in people's mind for you know six weeks, six months yeah. maybe, and then the next thing yeah. will come up. Um, but um, but it won't be like these experiences that you have in a room. No, in a darkened room. I am. Um, I mean, one another amazing memory is uh, Sleeping Beauty, the um, oh, yeah. Julia Lee Julia. film, yeah. and uh, uh, which I saw with my friend Steve. Uh, Austin and actually I don't think we were sitting together we were just at the same screening but um, and that was a film that famously was not well received at Cannes was and I I, it was one I was very much on the verge of do I see this do I don't see this Mm. and I went to see it and whatever emotional resonance frequency it was on it just was a blow right to the solar plexus and afterwards we just looked at each other and both of us had had that same kind of emotional like kind of that put us through the same thing and we just wandered around um, Newmarket for half an hour talking afterwards just trying to work our way through it you know Mm. Um, and and you don't have that when you no are at home (laughs) no I I remember um, back in NZF NZIFF 06 I saw my first um, Andrew Bujowski film, mm. um, which was not his first. His first was Funny Ha Ha, I think, yeah. the first feature, um, which I I saw Mutual Appreciation in yeah. 06, um, and I saw it with a good friend, Megan, um, and it was one of those things where it was... It's a lo-fi. I just recently re- rewatched it um, on... Does DVD. it hold up? 
yeah, it does. Um, and, and it very much is that, it captures that age of um, in your kind of 20s or yeah. a year, you, you sort of early 20s, mid-20s, um, you're in a kind of a, a university space. Um, you've got, uh, in the film, there's a friend who uh, yeah. who's a musician, who's trying to make it as a musician, who moves mm. cities from, uh, I think, Boston, I think, to New York. Um, and, um, and is trying to make it as an indie musician. Um, and a friend who's an academic and his yeah. girlfriend. Um, and the, the, the awkwardness and the, and the kind of pseudo philosophical conversations that happen mm. as they're trying to figure out who they are but also as they're kind of engaging with their intellect mm. and it reminded me of my years at university um in my undergraduate degree where you know people are fantastic but you're also <laughs> like with with with, with, with um in retrospect and and with you know some some distance you can see how pretentious and and idiotic mm. you were but at the time you were learning all this new information that actually wasn't really new information for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, yeah. But but it was mind expanding for you. And Nothing's mind-blowing. new except you finding out about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and so you you're just having all these things which seem so exciting and seem so yeah. Uh, and the film really captures that sense of people who are ex- discovering things about themselves and humanity, and it seems so mm. you know mind expanding, but. Actually, it's, <laughs> it's it's okay, but it's a little bit pathetic, and and you can it's quite indulgent, um, <laughs> self indulgent. Um, but I I remember sitting in that in that screening with uh, with a friend who was a little bit younger, but not heaps younger, um, and just going, this is so like it's a right, different yeah. country, but it's so on key with my time at university, yeah. talking with like sitting up till early hours talking shit about the stuff that we just heard in lectures, <laughs> and you know, and and. So self serious. Well, we've talked about beeswax before, which I yeah, know yeah. one of the actors in. Yeah. And, um, that um, for some reason that took me towards the ground we won, which um, mm. there's been a few films. You put me onto that, and I didn't see it at festival. Cause well, it didn't like, play at festival. It played at World Cinema oh, Showcase, okay, yeah, and I didn't right. want but to I didn't see that. But I saw it subsequently, that, and yeah, that was surprising. It's amazing film, and it's such a portrait of a small yeah. community that's very specific. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm friends with and very I'm Chris and Miriam, and I, so I don't want to go on about how great that film is. But it is great. But that's mm. not the point. The point is that um, Bill facilitated it playing at the World Cinema Showcase yeah. at the Civic, and everybody. Drove up from Reparoa to see it. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, and I've had this experience at a few films where it's... Um, I had a similar experience at um, Bellbird as well, oh, but yeah, it's yeah, Civic yeah. premiere. And this... Um, Another you know, you, these New later. Yeah, these New Zealand films that are made with a community. Yeah. And so well, that's they're... What I was saying about Dark Horse. Yeah, yeah, and their reactions yeah. to seeing themselves on screen. And I, I didn't make it to the premiere of... Uh, for my father's kingdom, but I've heard that there was a similar sort of uh, mm. Samoan kind of, yeah. you know, outpouring yeah. there, and that, and that, yeah, there's this um, this incredible experience that you have in these spaces. I mean, I think of seeing um, 
Maui's Hook, which was mm, a yeah. New Zealand yeah. drama slash daco about suicide, so sort like, of yeah. a strange hybrid film. Yeah. But also, um, you know, or, or seeing the, um, is it the third eye, the fifth eye? Um, oh, fifth eye. Fifth eye, yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, and also I was lucky enough to do the Q&A for uh, On an Unknown Beach. Oh, the, yeah. um, and these films that, you know, you're... You're viscerally part of the community yeah. that's being brought into this. And, and and so one of the things that Bill did, even if he wasn't in the room, was just lifting these films into this mm. space where this discussion could be had, this community could be recognized, mm. and see themselves on screen. You know, what? how many chances does somebody from Reparoa in a mm. fucking little rugby club yeah. that they're like divorced and they have two kids that they yeah. kind of sort of semi-grudgingly look after and then they get to go and see their lives writ large by a loving filmmaker yeah. on the civic screen. Yeah. yeah. It, that sort of reminds me of some of um, um, Florian's films like Clackle mm. Here, Demolition, where, you know... Um, Absolutely, or um, of Land of the Long White Cloud. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, where yeah. you've got these communities that are involved in just stuff that is the, you know, is the high points of their community life, yeah. um, but doesn't sort of register anywhere else. And then you get a chance to take part in it and, mm. and go, oh, yeah, I can kind of dig this. Uh, Demolition Derby. Yeah. And I, I mean, I make a lot of um, documentary television in New Zealand, and mm. a lot of it is very... Um, you know, like I had a cold case and obviously like something like cold case is, you know, mm. very, I don't want to say sensationalistic, but obviously it's about highly dramatic things. Yeah, yeah. And it's not about how everyday life is lived in these films that show us how everyday life, yeah. life is lived I mean, are often rarer and more precious. Yeah. I mean, the ground we won, yeah. I mean, as someone that sort of grew up in smaller city or you know large town new zealand yeah um playing rugby from the age of five yeah. you know that struck a chord and was and it was a, it was a beautiful portrait yeah. of um something that you could kind of think from a from an urban point of view nowadays would have been quite cynical mm. but actually it was that was really lovely observation of of just a a, a culture in, in a town and and I guess that's representative of towns across the country. It's, I suppose it's symptomatic of the nature of what Bill Gosden did, that we have slipped so repeatedly and fluidly between him as a person mm. and the film's that he programmed and perhaps yeah. the films that he didn't even like very much, much, but wound up in the program and we happened to love. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, who knows if he even liked The Devil and Daniel Johnson, but yeah. he let Ant program it and, yeah. and here we are in well, this. And, and, and as, as yeah. Ant said at the, at the, um, at the memorial, yeah. that, um, that after the, the sort of the, the closing of the include, Incredibly Strange Festival as it was, yeah. um, that, that um, even after he'd kind of, as you said, publicly protested <laughs> Bill as the uh, as a you know protagonist of the mainstream and yeah yeah <laughs> that Bill then invited them to come and yeah. 
why don't you bring your strand as part of in, yeah part and of that program which is I mean at the time I remember thinking you oh, this is interesting that Ant is kind of joining in but it, it's so good it's just yeah I, I had only I was never here for the incredibly strange film festival oh, yeah. my first year was 2004 which was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ant's first year yeah. in the um, main program but I think it's was it that far oh, back wow yeah yeah, well, I, th- I think so. I mean, it might have even been before that, but I'm pretty sure 2004 was his first year in the program. Um, yeah. There was certainly, because certainly that year he was in the program, and certainly mm. um, I've never seen an incredibly strange film festival independently of that, and I would yeah. sure as shit been there otherwise. Yeah. Um, but it is, again, that... It, and it shows sort of Bill's sort of wider point of view of um, film culture in New Zealand that, you know, I like he, I was pleasantly surprised by uh, an, an inf- uh, one of the kind of yearly interviews that um, Darren Bevan d- did with, um, with Bill, he yeah. did with Bill and Ant, um, uh, where uh, a few years back when um, the John, Wilter- John Waters film... Uh, a Multiple Maniacs? Yeah, Multiple Maniacs played. And... Um, <laughs> in his interview Bill had said that um, he had like an old copy of it uh, <laughs> uh, that that he loved and I was like this is fantastic I mean I saw Multiple Maniacs um, at the Hollywood and it was this shrill yes. yeah, <laughs> lobster rape yeah, yeah. oh my god yeah <laughs> Like full waters experience um, yeah. film um, and to see see no hairspray <laughs> yeah, to see that Bill had room in his sort of cinephilia for yeah. that um, and that he could see the value in what Ant was doing yeah uh, to be able to promote that as well and, and to find a space for that in his festival when, when the Incredible Festival finished was I mean it was it, well it's bringing it back to that thing I mentioned before about the party host is that mm, you yeah. um, you try to facilitate an experience that's as good an experience for as many people as possible. Mm. And it's it's almost like you're laying out a platter of food and it's like you don't have to enjoy everything on the platter. You just have to make sure that everybody who you've invited will enjoy something on yeah. it. And your joy is not in liking the tripe. Your joy is in seeing the weird guy that you know from Romania who shows up and is like, They've got tripe and starts eating it, or you know, yeah, yeah. Um, what have you. You know, I mean, I've tortured that analogy to death. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, there are plenty of fantastic Romanian films that are in my top uh, festival experiences. Oh yeah, I'm not bashing on Romanian <laughs> films; it's just totally the cuisine. Twelve or eight. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Tw- yeah. I mean, uh, four months, three weeks, two days, and uh, yeah, and Akasama, <laughs> yeah, home, and yeah. Uh, the, the list goes on. But, um, yeah, so, Bill, if you're listening, which you're not, because that's how the world works, mm. um, thanks, and let's figure out what we're going to do without you. Do you have yeah. any uh, closing thoughts that you want to share? Um, just that, yeah, I, I, I hope um, going forward the, the NZIFF or... Um, Fanamarama, as it's been rebranded, um, can continue the 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 breadth of mm. of support for cinema 
um, and all its sort of forms. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to tell from Zealand. this year. Yeah. It's, it's such a strange year, and it's yeah. not really fair to no. anybody to draw and, and, inferences and like it, it was, from it. It was, it was fantastic that, you know, um, the way that um, Martin and the team ran it, we actually got a, a reasonable sort of yeah. set of films when places in Australia and festivals in Australia and yeah. other places um, didn't do as well, didn't as, do as, well as we yeah. did um, when they made the decision to go online um, and then were able to subsequently yeah. expand it to um, in cinema a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I do... I do look at some of the programming and I look at some of the films that were left behind, like the most recent Pedro Costa film and yeah. things like that. And I, I, and I look at some of the films that were included and I do wonder if there's an era, uh, you know, a changing of changing the guy. Uh, yeah. A yeah. changing of curatorial aesthetics and yeah. that there's more of a priority for certain flags of diversity and yeah. trauma narratives and things. Um, and less for a traditional broad brush of cinephilia, but it's kind of too early to tell and we'll see. But um, for the moment, it's more about saying goodbye to somebody who I I think back to um, uh, a friend who was not very like, I didn't think of as a festival friend, you know, Mm -hmm. I I didn't talk too much about the festival, but, um, and when they heard the festival wasn't going to be um, live this year, it's like, oh, I always miss the opening speech. Mm. And I always and I always think about how the first year that Bill didn't give the opening speech, um, I think it was Tehra Pakahi, is that? Uh, Tehra Pakahi, yeah. Yeah, who'd, um, who did a fine job. Mm. But once you've been accustomed to 14-plus years of Bill Gosden speeches... Mm. It just wasn't the same, mm. and and that there is this gaping hole now, and we're all going to have to kind of grow up our way to filling it together. Mm. Yeah. On that note, <laughs> until next time, which hopefully won't be more than a year away, this was Doug. This was Jacob. And this is Best Worst Podcast. Cheers. Cheers.